The big things in life really do take a lot of hard work and vulnerability and fear. Um, and we can either choose to just kind of get stuck in the rut, I guess, um, and, and that's a lot easier, but then we don't really grow as humans. Hi there, guys. Welcome back to the show. Firstly, just want to say thank you for pushing play. It's great to have you back here. Today, we're going to be talking to Matthew Bromley. He is the one of the world's best big wave surfers. And he's just released a documentary called Over the Edge, which I watched last night. Really, really amazing documentary. Matt goes out, serves the biggest waves in the world, talks about his experiences, about overcoming fear, relinquishing control, becoming a dad, uh, and ultimately being the best version of himself, living in purpose, but just achieving the most amazing things. And I cannot recommend uh, this uh, documentary enough. It is called Over the Edge. You can get it on uh, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Play, Google Movies, Vimeo. Just Google Over the Edge, Matthew Bromley, and you will find it. Uh, in this episode, guys, we really get into so much detail around Matt's personal experience around overcoming fear. The analogies between big wave surfing and real life are, well, real life entrepreneurs, I should say. There's just so many uh, parallels and similarities and things like that. And so if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking to build the things that matter to you and to the world around you, this is going to really give you a fantastic perspective on your own personal journey. So check it out. This is going to be a really amazing show. And don't forget, guys, if you haven't yet done so, head on over to smerocketfield.com. It'd be great to meet you introduce yourself in the welcome wall say how's it i'd love to meet you um and yeah it's just a great platform great community so go and check it out now so without further ado guys let's get on with the show and enter matthew the big wave surfer bromley hey guys welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the matt brown show today i'm joined by another matt <laughs> his name is matt bromley he's a big wave surfer he's just released an amazing documentary which i watched last night so lots to get into matt welcome to the show Thanks for having me. You. I know, right? So uh, Cape Town boys connecting, although I'm stuck up here in Johannesburg for my sins. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It is terrible, right? Tell me about it. Um, so, so I think uh, I watched a documentary yesterday. Uh, we have mutual friends, Rich Mulholland, and that's kind of how I found you on social media. And then I was like, damn, this is really cool. And so um, I did, there's just such, so much relevance for my audience. So I wanted to kind of, you know, really pick your brains and get your story on the show and on record. So, uh, but for, the, for those of our viewers and, and listeners around the world who potentially haven't heard about who the hell Matt Bromley is, probably like one of the world's best big wave surfers, apparently, um, you know, why don't you kick us off? What do we need to know? What's the elevator pitch? Um, so yeah, I'm a professional big wave surfer and I, so basically what I do is I chase storms around the world. So I monitor all the storms that are happening. Um, and when all the elements look to produce giant surf, I book a ticket, I chase it and I go and document these, these big storms. So I ride the big waves. We've got videographers, photographers shooting, and we create media. Amazing. So how much time do you spend chasing waves? Is this like full time? You basically checking out waves and then trying to get, get after it basically. So, yeah, I'm pretty much following the winter. It's my full time job. And um, I've been doing uh, the big wave surfing thing since I was about 20 years old, 18 to 20 years old. I was doing competitions before that. And uh, yeah, i um, got, 
my sponsors on board, which which pay me um, a, well a pretty all right living, and uh, they they back me to 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 do my dream, which is to chase these big waves. I absolutely love it. You can tell you can tell us if they don't pay you enough. We can, maybe we can leverage the show. We'll get the community behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but Monster is your sponsor, right? Or one of yes. them, I suppose. Yeah, because I think the documentary was also sponsored by them. Yeah, they, so they backed it. Or it took three years of filming, and they they backed it the whole way. So I was very grateful. To them yeah, Monster is an amazing brand, right? So, uh, so look, let's go back to the beginning because I think you also touched on it in the in the documentary where you were. I think you were where? Where were you born? What was the city? Um, I was born in Cape Town, and then we moved to Komiki when I was. Um, 12 years old and that's when i just started surfing every day um and the rad thing was that uh, we had a house on the beach and i was still into all the small waves but the outer reef called sunset was right in front of my house so i could see the guys i'd come home from school and i'd see them towing into these mountains like a kilometer out to sea and i knew like one day i wanted to be out there with those guys but I'm curious about that because you were entering competitions, doing smaller waves, and then you were winning and that kind of stuff. Well, you were competing, let's say, and then. But the bigger the waves, the better you were at that. What What was the reason for that? What would you put that down to? Um. So the smaller, when the waves are smaller, it more comes down to like tricks and the the high performance surfing. When it comes within, when when the waves are bigger, it's more about confidence, wave knowledge, uh, maybe fitness. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's very different. Um, so I really, I enjoyed the contest in the smaller waves, but whenever it got bigger, I felt this little like spark lighting up. And, um, I certainly felt when I was doing the competitions, cause most of the contests are in smaller waves. Um, I certainly felt I was enjoying it, but something was missing. But what, what is that something? Cause you mentioned, you used those words also in the documentary. You said something was missing. I'm curious about that because, what what was that? What was missing for you? I think um, I, I didn't feel like I was living out my purpose. Like I, I now totally believe that I've been created at this point in my life to surf big waves. And when I'm out there and it's big and stormy and crazy, I, I do get really scared. But I also feel this deep sense of purpose that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, this is my passion and it just feels like everything um, is finally, well, not finally, but yeah, it feels like it's clicking. Huh. So there was a disconnect between what you were doing when you were younger and this kind of calling, if you like, towards a, a higher kind of purpose where meaning and purpose and gratitude is kind of all wrapped up into one moment. So competing in the smaller waves wasn't quite doing that for you. Yeah, and competing was yeah, it was very competitive. The guy next to you was was trying to to beat you, and whereas in the big wave surfing, um, you are almost more competing against yourself, and it's all about trying to face that fear that everyone has it, and and you're trying to just battle that fear. It's like so much of it goes on in your mind, um, and it's I, I love the challenge of of broadening that 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 boundary that that fear sets and and pushing that back and uh, expanding my horizon and that that gets me really excited so what does what what role does fear play for you as a big wave surfer because you know i think we all deal with fear you know daily basis you're a new dad i've got a young family as well congrats by the way (laughs) on uh, being a new dad (laughs) Uh, hardest job you'll ever have um and there's no manual (laughs) <laughs> so um 
but you know, I'm, like I'm fearful of, for my kids also. I mean, like what kind of world will they inherit, for instance? And you know, I'm mm. fearful of making mistakes as a dad. You know, um, and that's just in parenting. So I mean, then then I run businesses. I'm a podcaster. Like mm. fear is part of my life, um, and so it means something to me that's unique to me, you know, in my own individual experience. I'm curious to ask you, what role does fear play in your life now? Because, you know, if you think the Dungeons story, so Dungeons for our international viewers is like a, a surf spot just off Hart Bay, right? Mm-mm-mm. And what, just walk us through, what, what makes Dungeons special? Because this is an important part of the story. Yeah. So Dungeons, uh, it breaks about a kilometer out to sea, off uh, this massive mountain peak called the Sentinel of Hot Bay. It breaks off Seal Island. Uh, everything about it is really just breathes fear. Um, when you're out there, the area where wave can break, normally a takeoff zone is very small. So you don't have to paddle too far left and right to catch the wave. But out of dungeons, it's about the size of two rugby fields. So when a set comes, the whole horizon goes dark. And then you don't know, it could be, two, 300 meters to your left or to your right or breaking on your head. It's very, very unpredictable. Um, surfing off Seal Island, you always have this underlying thought that, oh, there might be sharks around. Uh, it's freezing cold. You're often surfing out there in the middle of a Cape winter storm because that's bringing in the big surf. And uh, every also each wave that comes in is uh, sometimes you get like a flatter, more mushy wave. Sometimes it stands up. And when you're going down the wave face, there's another like airdrop to, to go over. So it's the whole situation is very unpredictable and terrifying. Yeah. And that's, and that's the point, right? It was terrifying. And I think you were just cutting your straps at dungeons before. I mean, obviously you've gone on to Jaws and we'll talk about the other places that you surf now, but when you cast your mind back to like that first wave that you caught at dungeons, right? Which they got on film in the documentary and you now look at what you're doing, Serving sixty, surfing sixty foot waves out in you know jaws in in, in Hawaii and stuff, um, you know how like what role has does fear play in your life now? Like what have you learned about fear? Mm. <clears throat> so I'm naturally a very conservative person, and I don't like taking risks. But within surfing, um, I, I I do take calculated risks. And um, I get really scared. I, I feel fear a lot. And that's one of the things that I'm hoping to portray in the movie is that uh, I've surfed with all the best big wave surfers in the world and everybody gets scared and everyone feels the fear and the vulnerability. So it's not really about getting rid of that, but it's about uh, managing it and facing it. And um, I've got a, a keynote, uh, which is all about seeing the wave that's in the storm. And the biggest storm I faced at the time when I was 17 years old was the first time I surfed dungeons. And uh, I got, uh, I was sitting out there and I was totally unsure. I hadn't surfed many big waves before. The horizon started to break. There was a big set of waves coming. And I was greeted by my worst nightmare. Um, about a 25-foot wave was towering over me about to crash on my head and I had no tools to cope with the fear and the panic. Um, so it overwhelmed my whole body. I, I could, I could barely hold my breath. Fortunately, I managed to swim through the wave, but as I got through the wave, it was pulling me backwards into the, the danger zone. And uh, while I was recollecting my board, I looked around and there was an even bigger wave behind it. And I went through five of these monster waves each time I felt if, if it had pulled me backwards over into the wipeout, I felt like I could have drowned because I, I, I was just overwhelmed with fear. And I, that's, in that moment, I was like, 
I'm big wave surfing is not for me. I'm out of here. So I started paddling back towards the channel to get out the water. And uh, another big set of waves broke over the crowd. And because I paddled wide, I was just in the perfect spot for this beautiful big wave. And uh, something just told me last minute to spin and go. And I had the, the ride of my life at that time. And uh, it was that was a moment for me where it was the biggest storm I'd ever encountered. Uh, but then facing the fear in that storm for that one wave set me on the path to to, to, to big wave surfing. Yeah. So one so of the, a, that's a legit story, man. Cause I mean, I think that it's like fight or flight, right? And then I guess in your situation, I suppose, I believe like environment plays a big role in, 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 a, in a person's ability to either overcome fear or be crippled by it. So in your case, you didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so like it was, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, there you go, dude. Like you, you're either going to ride this thing or the rate the wave's going to put a dent in you, you know? And so that, that was the thing. What's your advice to someone who's potentially dealing with fear? Maybe it's a fear of losing a business. Maybe it's a fear of like losing a, a loved one. My mother passed away um, a couple months ago. So no, no, it's all good, man. Um, well, it's not, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But, um, what's your advice to that person who, who's, who's like sitting in it, they're at the bottom of that wave and they don't have the tools. Like what's your advice to that person? Um, so firstly, I think that, um, this concept of seeing the wave in the storm. So when a big, just relating it to my story, when I see a big storm approaching, there's it's chaos. The waves are 50, 60 foot. The whole situation is extremely uh, overwhelming and scary, but I try to look for the waves in the storm that I'm going to be riding. And I try to focus on that and get excited about it. Um, So for me, uh, uh, it's a simple mind shift to see a challenge as a threat or as an opportunity for growth. And I've really tried to hone in um, that uh, every time I experience a challenging situation, um, to see it as an opportunity for growth, uh, to see it as an opportunity to learn lessons. Um, and uh, where, so, so like looking at whatever storm you're going through, what is that wave that I can ride in the storm? How can I use this to grow as a human or to learn new lessons um, or to take myself to, to the next level? Because I can honestly say that the biggest storms I've encountered um, – moving through that all the, the fear and the vulnerability on the other side of that has been my best moments. Um, so, so just, um, just facing that, that fear head on and looking for, for the opportunity that's, that's lying there in the challenge. Mm, that's such an important message for a lot of people, irrespective really of what they're doing. Right. Um, cause I think your, your point is basically that everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that nothing, that's worthwhile, or I mean, maybe you can vouch for yourself, but everything that's worth value, something like very valuable, whether it's for me riding big waves or even like proposing to, to my wife or having yeah. a baby, it takes <clears throat> vulnerability and fear. Like the big things in life really do take a lot of hard work and vulnerability and fear. Um, and we can either choose to just kind of get stuck in the rut, I guess, um, and, and that's a lot easier, but then we don't really grow uh, as humans. So were you more or less nervous? Because I know you got engaged while the documentary was being re- recorded. And I think you were down on the rocks and you proposed the whole thing there. Um, <laughs> but um, were you more nervous then, like w- when you took a knee and you proposed, as opposed to like dropping in at Jaws for the first time? 
it was, I was probably the most nervous I've been in my whole life because I chose to go all in and I, and I don't, I don't play any music, but I, I decided to learn her favorite song of my heart on guitar and I had it down. But then when the moment came, I couldn't remember anything and I was shaking <laughs> and I started crying while I was playing to her and I was just like, it didn't go as I, <laughs> as I thought it would. Uh, but yeah, she still said yes. So. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I, I remember when I proposed to my wife, I was in, um, Paternoster up on the West Coast. Um, I believe there's good waves up the West Coast as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I think, is it in like Namibia? Or like there's a huge, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a left break that runs for like kilometers. Yeah. So, so, um, off Alphys Bay uh, on the Skeleton Coast, uh, it's the best wave in the world. It's, uh, it's called Donkey Bay. And it's 2.2 kilometers long, and it's just this incredible barrel in the middle of the desert. And when it works, it only works a few times a year. People fly in from all over the world to to huh. to surf this wave. Yeah, that that's what I need is a 2.2 k wave. <laughs> I'm, done. <laughs> I'm done. Get one tube. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um, what you need. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I had Sean Thompson on the show uh, not too long ago. Also, a South African big wave surfer from like back in the day. You know, when he put surfing mm. kind of on the map. That's his. Yeah, that's a sort of kid. Have you have do you are you mates with him? Do you know Do you know each other? Um, I've been in communication and met him a few times, um, but yeah, we're not close. I mean, he lives in California and, um, yeah, but he's, he's a full legend. So how has in your, from your perspective, how has big wave surfing changed over the years? So Sean being, you know, early late eighties, nineties type guy, you know, 20, 30 years later, um, the kind of new blood, if you like, of big wave surfing, um, how Mm. would you characterize the change in big wave surfing now? Um, so Sean was, was more in the competition scene. Um, and he was like, he was also, he really made his mark in Hawaii at, at, at the wave called pipeline. Um, and he, he took like barrel riding to the next level. Uh, he was doing things that people didn't know were possible. Um, and then he went from there to become world champion. Um, and at that time, so this wave jaws, that's the, the climax of the film, um, it's only been they, they used to uh, use a jet ski only to to catch the waves there because at Jaws the waves are moving so fast and there's so much wind out there and it's so big and scary. Before they were only using um, a jet ski to catch the waves, uh, so the guys would be towed in behind at high speed, towed into these, these big waves. Um, and it's only been in the last uh, ten years that people have started to paddle into waves out there at Jaws. Um, so that's been a huge advancement uh, in the big wave surfing since I guess uh, when Sean was around. Now the paddling surfing is is really um, taking off because when you're paddling, you're just using your own arms. You've got to, you've got to pinpoint your spot on the reef. You've got to know when, when those, that huge set of waves is coming, you've got to be in the perfect spot. And if you paddle too far out, because you just want to get out over the waves um, beyond like, towards the horizon you're going to you're going to miss the waves because you you're too far in the deep uh if you hang a little bit too close in the waves are going to be crashing on your head so it's that fine line of calculated risk and and knowing all the variables that are going around um to put yourself in the right place that you can catch that wave and um just just quickly like when you're paddling into a big wave it's the most incredible feeling because as you're paddling into say a wave at yours you're looking over the edge and 40 or 50 foot below you, you can see the water drawing off the reef. And the area with the, of, of water that's drawing off 
is like the size of a rugby field. It's drawing off the reef and the wind is blowing super hard up the face of the wave uh, and it's blowing water in your eyes and you just you feel like you're at the top of this building. Um, and you, you have, at that point, you have to lean forward and push yourself over and you airdrop and you're going over these big bumps and you're balancing all the way down and all the while behind you, there's this exploding monster that's trying to, trying to get at you. So, um, yeah, that's a little... Uh, sneak peek on, on big wave surfing you really make me want to go surfing dude <laughs> that's my thing i mean like uh, like uh, honestly that's one of my bucket lists legit dude like uh, for me i've never been barreled like i surfed in cape town probably for like maybe you know six nine months stood up a few times but never took it further than that for just whatever reason but i think you know when you watch even kelly slater and he's got that wave pool yeah. so it's like that perfect yeah. wave have you been on that thing? No, I haven't. Eh? It's probably you probably really. it's probably not big enough for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. what is this perfect wave? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, but it's such a it's such a dream, right? I mean, how like the one thing I, that's kind of nagging me is is in the in the um, in the documentary you were talking about. Yeah, I think you were at, at Jaws. I think you were at Jaws, um, and the where you were at the top, you were paddling for this wave and it was like mm. the wave. And then, mm -hmm. you, and as you got to the lip, the thing was, and you, mm. you pulled out at the last second. And then mm -hmm. in the documentary, you said, the guy was like, you know, how are you feeling? And you were like, yeah, I keep thinking about that wave that I didn't catch. And it was yeah. like, and cause, and you know, and you basically were alluding to the fact that um, you, uh, you're, you're kind of constantly searching for the wave. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So like you can hang your hat and uh, one yeah. day and like I'm a dad now, I'm retiring. Like that was the wave that I caught that was perfect. Um, and so you were saying that this is the wave that you probably missed. Have you, what, have you ever caught the perfect wave? Is there such a thing? Um, no, I, I think um, there, there's still so much room for growth out there in those big waves. And um, a, a wave like that one that I pulled back on and I didn't, wasn't able to paddle into that, that would be probably... Uh, that would leave me very happy for a very long time. Uh, but yeah, it's a constant uh, search for trying to find that, that, that ride of, of a lifetime. And it's, it's, it's crazy because every place, different place you go to in the globe has, has a different challenge. Uh, the waves are slightly different. The reef uh, shapes the energy in a different way and there's different factors. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very hard to be fully satisfied because <laughs> you're always looking at, you could be deeper or more critical on the wave or, or bigger. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very excited to, to keep going bigger and deeper and get, get bigger barrels. So um, what's the difference then between fulfillment, right? And then that, that success that you say is fleeting. So if you caught that wave and obviously you've caught many waves like that, but if you caught that particular one, so that would have been like your thing and you would have been six, you would have, let's just say it's achievement. Mm -hmm. You would have achieved that yeah. feeling that, that three month high of like, that was the wave. And then that would have kind of gone down, you know, and then you would have to go back yeah. up there again, continually search to push the next thing, find another a wave, hit that other, the next level of achievement. What's your, yeah. what's your experience now having achieved so much between success and fulfillment or achievement and fulfillment? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, it's um, yeah. That's the, that's the funny thing, I guess. Like whether it's in business or big wave surfing, you you, ne- you you achieve something that you set out to do, and then you're always looking for for the next big thing. And um, I think that the the beauty of, of of chasing these big waves is you can you can always go go bigger and bigger. Um, I, I certainly haven't. I've had some great experiences in my life and and very fulfilling experiences. Uh, but uh, I certainly haven't had that one where I'd be like, wow, that this is this is it, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, uh, I think it's more it's not really about that one getting to that one point and then stopping. It's more about um doing I do this thing because I absolutely love it. And it's a it's a constant challenge. And I know like even when we had um 11 we were stuck in South Africa we had 11 months of lockdown and um, that that's all in the film um, and the swell popped up and went to uh, was going to Hawaii and and I had like a few days to make the decision to fly across the world um, land the night before the swell and everything and just because of those 11 months before I like I hadn't been really been surfing big waves I was doubting myself so much even though I'd had really successful surfs out there jaws and surf 40 50 foot waves out there um but like yeah that that lull of not doing it for a long time and i knew that i and i'd also just gotten too comfortable with life like i was at home with with my wife and we were just going through through each day as is you know and gotten too comfortable and i knew that i had to get back on the road get back on the horse and and put myself um like in that discomfort and on my my way over to Jaws, I actually cried. <laughs> I cried twice because I was feeling so scared and so raw with with emotion. The one time was just in in a hotel room by myself. I just felt so alone, and I was just thinking of these huge waves, fifty foot waves coming. I was so scared. And the second time was when I was in my in a tent. Uh, the day, the morning of the swell, I could hear these waves exploding 10 kilometers away, but 10 kilometers away at Jaws. It was waking me up out of my half jet lag sleep. And then as I was getting ready in the morning to go, my wife sent me the scan of our, uh, the first scan of our little baby. It was this little pea-sized um, object. It had a heartbeat already. And I saw this thing and I just, I just burst into tears. And the last thing I wanted to do was go surf big waves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I've, co- I've constantly felt that I have to put myself through vulnerable situations. Um, and on the other side of that is, was when I have these, uh, 
these times when I feel most alive. And I guess those are the the times that I'm keep going to keep chasing. And it's really scary and it's really, really uncomfortable, but I know that I need to, to keep doing it. So I'm interested to know that because, you know, when you have a kid, it's hard to tell someone what it feels like when you are, uh, you know, not a dad. Right. Um, and, but like for me, at least when I had a kid, it like it changed a lot of things for me. Like I was pretty, pretty selfish and, you know, then suddenly the kid arrives and now it's like, you're no longer the center of your own universe. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, and so your whole, your motivations change, your goals change, your priorities change. Like you fundamentally change on day one, or at least that's kind of how mm-hmm. I felt. And you almost like starstruck. It's like, holy shit, <laughs> yeah. I got a kid. Same thing, like, yeah. you know, when you saw the picture and you started crying, it's the same thing, only now it's like a reality. So obviously, yeah. what, obviously what you're doing is not like what I do. Like what I do is relatively safe. What you do is relatively, well, I mean, <laughs> one could say if you weren't as good as you are at taking calculated risks, <laughs> you could be in a lot of shit. So like if I went, <laughs> if I put paddled out to Jaws, I would definitely die. Like it wouldn't be a thing for me. Like hundred percent success. Thank you. hundred percent success rate achieves achievement done. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but for you, it's like, you are still doing this stuff, you know, and there is a risk to it. So I, w- I wanted to ask you like, how has your perspective changed now on, on risk now that mm. you're a dad? Um, I think that it definitely adds a whole nother dimension of responsibility. And I think for me to be the most responsible I can be, like I'm still going to surf these, these huge waves, but my preparation now has to be even more um, wholesome. And so I've just been focusing on like spending so much time in the swimming pool, spending time under the water, uh, putting myself through the similar situations that I would in a big wipeout. Um, so in getting in the swimming pool, I do sprints to get my heart racing to mimic the adrenaline. And then I swim under the water for the length of a long wipeout. And while I'm under the water, I visualize myself getting pushed super deep down into the darkness. I, I feel the pressure on my ears. I feel the, the weight of what feels like the whole ocean above me and I take myself through those uncomfortable feelings over and over again. Um, so just like time in the time in the gym, the preparation, analyzing everything that I can control, like down to a T um, as much as possible. That's like what I owe to my family now to be as prepared as I can be. And um, I've certainly found that the more prepared I am, um, the more confidence I have and the less mistakes I make, better decision-making um, so yeah, like I've been training now for the last couple of months um, for Jaws, which is only happening at the end of the year. But um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's it takes a lot of discipline, I guess, to to be laying that foundation of, of preparation. But then when that swell comes, it just pops up. You've got to be ready for it. So mm. yeah, it's um, there's there's actually a lot to get into there. You know, in terms of like preparation and discipline, because a lot of people they you know. They, they're not clear on what steps they should take to get as prepared as they need to do or need to be to get to the outcome that they want. Um, and so discipline, even for me, like I, I love like a chocolate at night, like, or if I have ice cream at night, like that's my thing. Like, cause I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't like, I'm a clean boy, you know, I have been for like four or five years now. Yeah. Um, do you drink monster? <clears throat> uh, negative dude. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I see you do. Why is that? <laughs> 
talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, you know, um, so, and, and I struggle with that. Like, if I have to, like, not go, if I don't do that, if I don't get that reward, basically, you know, at the end of the day, it's like it fucks with me. You know, who's that? Your yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah, this is Joy creeping in. I oh, know it's fine. Bring her on. She's cool. Is it he or she? <laughs> uh, she. Yeah. Uh, she. Yeah. No, let her, let her on. I got my dogs here. So, um, yeah. So, so I mean, how are you? How are you so consistent? Because clearly you are. Like, uh, you're consistent in your preparation. You're consistent in your performance. And I think consistency always beats. You know many, many other mm. things. It's kind of like compounded interest, which is one of the most powerful forces in the world. So uh, what have you learned about consistency and discipline? What, what insights is, is relevant for other people listening and watching us right now? Mm-hmm. I think um, um, the, 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 the preparation, so if I, I like to think of it as like building a firm foundation because when that storm comes, I don't want to just be holding on for dear life just surviving it. I want to be thriving in that in that storm. So for me, I need to build a firm foundation long before that I have um, everything that I have control of, I have uh, built that up and I've, I've got this firm foundation of confidence. And when that storm comes, I've got that, that firm foundation to launch to this, to, into the storm because like – as, as I mentioned before, everyone gets scared and 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 uh, nervous. And I think if you have a if you're not prepared, as you would know, in I don't know much about business, but when you go into a meeting or in decision makings or whatever whatever it is, if you're not prepared, you're going to make bad decisions. Um, and especially when when things get unpredictable and 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 those storms come, if you haven't done the groundwork, then um, it's an absolute disaster. And for me, it's it's uh, I guess it's like life and death. Um, so I know the situations I'm going to be up against, and I just have to uh, put that discipline in long before the winters come. Yeah, your your discipline motivator is like at a ten. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it can't be at a nine because that you must know that that's asking for trouble, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think like a key thing is um, I talked a little bit about it before the visualization, like putting myself in that moment because now I'm at home and everything's relaxed and comfortable. But if I um, start, I always try to put my my mind, I try to go there to what that storm is going to be like uh, and to put myself in that situation over and over and over again, because um, every time I see uh, a big storm brewing, I get so scared. My stomach starts to churn and I just get filled with fear. Uh, but the more I, I start to visualize success and uh, I visualize myself like riding the wave, the wave of my life, instead of all the, the nerves and anxiety building up, it turns that all into confidence, into a sense of purpose and helps me get excited. So my goal leading up to, to a big swell is to 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 lessen all the nerves and the fear and the anxiety and get excited and just think, wow, this swell coming, it's really, really big. But with the way it's been so big is the opportunity for, for me to, to get the biggest ride of my life. So visual, that visualization, putting myself there, going there uh, really, really helps a lot. And you, but it also sounds to me like you, you're, you're visualizing the downside, right? So yes, you're coming down the, the face of the wave, you're successful, that helps calm the nerves, gives you confidence, mm-hmm. but also like you said, when you're preparing, you're actually visualizing being in hell, like being pinned underneath mm. the waves uh, against the reef or like, you know, the, whatever mm. that feels like. Um, mm. And mm. and that is actually something most people don't do. 
they don't do it. So like, mm. for instance, I have a thing about super yachts. So I worked on super yachts when I was, you know, a, a bit younger, long, younger, like late twenties. Um, and like, these are like floating palaces for the, for billionaires, mm. right? So like the super rich. So I have a thing around yachts because I think like the ultimate lifestyle. <laughs> and so I visualize that. But what I don't yeah. visualize very often is the fear of failure, like, you know, like the moments when the day before it ends is the way that I would describe it. It's like you, the, you don't know whether you're going to come out of this thing. You don't know. You don't know. So you have to, you have to learn to sit in the fire uh, and, and as you said, like just feel it. And, mm. you know, and in many cases we wind up there without having put ourselves through the mental uh, exercise of being there before it happens. We're like, yeah. here's the dream, but where's the nightmare? What am I, how am I going to respond when the shit is really hitting the fucking fan? You know, mm. and it's like, it's over. Like you, you're, you're done. Like everything you've worked for is about to end like that, that exact moment. And people don't want to go there. Cause they, you know, again, it's a, it's this thing of fear. Like they don't want to go there to visualize and, you know, kind of like role play with themselves you know, what that's going to feel like. I mean, David Goggins does the same thing. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like, yeah, a, yeah, I do. okay. So he does the same thing. He visualizes the, the downside. Like he, like he visualizes carrying the boats at Navy at Hull week, you know? Um, and he does that to create mental toughness. Mm, mm. So is that what you're doing as a process is developing mental toughness? <clears throat> So I try to do the visualization of all uh, the negative stuff long before. Um, I feel like when there's a swell lingering, the event's happening, that's when I try to click into the positive gear. So when I'm laying the foundation, I'm putting myself in those horrible situations. Um, I'm not only visualizing it, though, when I'm swimming, I literally feel like I need to, I'm underwater. I need to breathe. I need to breathe. I'm going through all those uncomfortable feelings. That for me is kind of laying the foundation, but that's done long before. Um, and then when I see that 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 big moment a week out, that's when I try to click into the positive mindset visualization of only riding that that huge successful bomb because my mind naturally goes towards the negative. If I don't control my thoughts, I start thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna." I'm going all the way over to Hawaii. South Africa is watching. I'm going to fail people's expectations. What if I don't get a wave? Uh, what if I have a wipeout or break my board or drown? My mind just, that's what I click into. I don't know if that a lot of other people have that, but my, I go into these negative spirals unless I take control. And, um, and visualization is one of the things I use to, to try to click into, into the positive mindset. So leading up to the swell, for me, I try just click only into positive, but long before I try to take myself through those heavy situations. Mm, that's a good point. It's very cool that. Um, <clears throat> Matt, have you ever had a moment, if you cast your mind back over there, have you ever had a moment where you were like pinned, you got tanked? By the way, that that one wave where that lip was <laughs> like, where I think it was that Jaws where you, you like you were like, oh, there it is. I'm going to get barreled. And then you just, there was the lip yeah. and that was, your, that was basically it over <laughs> for you. Um, I mean, I can't imagine what that must feel like with all that water hitting you at that sort of speed and velocity. Have you ever had a moment where you got pinned and you didn't think you were going to make it? I've had a few moments where um, I've been pinned on the bottom, 
of on the ocean bed and the waves not letting up and the panic has started to to set in but i've uh, i think i've kind of trained my mind to like you it's not an option to panic if you panic uh your the adrenaline sucks all your oxygen out of your body and that's when you are going to drown so it's not an option to panic in those situations and sure we've got the jet skis the water safety they're looking out for us but you have to get up to the surface before they can reach you and normally you have to take two or three waves crashing on your head before um so yeah i i've had a few moments where i thought oh my gosh this is it i shouldn't be here but then very quickly i've gone back to my training and been like no you've been through this over and over again relax you can do this. <laughs> so come, speaking of coming up to the surface, are you wearing like a buoyancy vest? Like what is that thing? Because mm. I was wondering whether if you got pinned, for instance, like so, I don't mean all I know is that sometimes it's disorientating. You don't know which way is up. You don't know which way is down, left or right. So when you there, is it, do you pull on a strap or something that fills with gas and it yeah. like p- pushes you up to the, to the surface? Is that what that is? Yeah, exactly. So it's the same mechanism on the life jackets on airplanes. Uh, and that was invented for surfing in the last eight, 10 years. So basically I wear like a, a, a life vest um, over my wetsuit or if in Hawaii, I'm just wearing this life vest and um, it's got CO2 cartridges. And if you feel like you are just, you are not coming up, you, you pull one of these tags, it punctures the cartridge and inflates you with air. Um, but that's, that's allowed us to like push the limits so much more in, in big wave surfing. I mean, if we didn't have these vests now, um, I would have certainly had, had wipeouts that I would have been probably under three waves in a row without servicing. If I didn't have, um, all that air, uh, the inflation to get back to the surface. Like I had, um, in the movie, I had two wipeouts where I was standing on the bottom <laughs> and and I was pulling these things and I just wasn't moving and I'd pull another one. So you have four pulls and I'd pull like three and then eventually the wave would kind of start to ease and then it releases you. So you can't be too heavily reliant on the equipment, but it's certainly like life-saving and makes a huge difference. Peace of mind, right? Yeah, 100%. So tell me, Matt, have you, uh, one of the things I didn't see in the documentary was Nazair in Portugal. Um, is that on your bucket list? Like, when are you heading out there? Because it seems to me like that's something you should absolutely do. Um, I've been to Nazare once before. Oh, you have? And, um, I have, yeah. And I had the worst beat I've <laughs> ever had. Um, Nazare is really amazing for the toe surfing because the waves get up to like 100 foot high there. Um, and those waves you can't physically paddle into. They're moving too fast and they're shifting. Um, so those guys, are, that for toe and surfing, it's incredible. Um, the paddling scene, you can maybe only paddle it up to about 50 foot high. And sure, that's really big. But I've had like some big waves there. And then you compare your paddle waves to the toe waves and it's half the size and it doesn't look um, <laughs> anything like it. Um, so for me, the risk reward at Nazare, it's not worth it for, for paddling surfing. And the thing about Nazare, it's um, so most of the, all the big waves that, that we're surfing, it's a reef and then there's a deep spot next to it with a safe zone. So the waves are breaking on the reef that the, the reef focuses all the energy and then the deep zone is, is the safe place. But Nazare, it's just a beach with random huge waves all over. There's no safe zone. There's no deep spot where the waves don't break. And um, if you think of like, swimming at a beach with a little bit of a current moving out. Um, you can you can multiply that by 100 at Nazare. The, the current's moving out to sea. So as the waves are smashing you under the water, 
um, the, the current is going back out to sea. And, and because the waves are pushing in, the current's going back out, it's churning, and it gets so aerated that without that inflation, you can't even get your head above all the foam. Um, so it's extremely dangerous. Like the currents make it um, often the jet skis are looking for the dudes and he pops up a good 200 meters uh, back out to sea. Or, uh, so it's really dangerous. And I'm very surprised that, that someone hasn't um, died there yet. Hmm. So, but did you, did you stand up there? On I did. Yeah. <laughs> I had some, I had some great waves and then I got a little bit too cheeky. I, um, uh, so, so Nazare is a whole scene. They've got the cliff. And people are on radios on the cliff watching. When they see the, the peak going, there's like three different peaks. They'll say, set coming to peak three. They will radio the guys on the jet skis. And then the jet skis will tell the surfers, like, dart that way or that way. Um, and, and the guys were obviously were radioing in. Uh, and I saw all of the jet skis whistling at me to paddle for the horizon, but I was too close. And, and uh, I just was – it was one of the mo- most lonely feelings I've ever had. Everyone was further out. I was – close in by myself and I just had like this 40 foot wall of water break over me. And then it's, um, it, it, I had like five in a row that, that just absolutely smashed me. And a jet ski came in to, to pick me up and I was on the back of the, the jet ski and the wave came over the whole jet ski and ripped me off without a breath. It happened twice in a row. And, and yeah, after that, when I got back to the, it washed me up the beach, the whole horizon was moving. I was coughing up blood and uh, I'm not going to go back there again. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, opportunity cost. But I guess this is the thing, yeah. this, and that's another point, right? So is that <clears throat> you define yourself by saying no, not by what you say yes to in many cases. You know, um, would you agree sure. with that? Yeah. Sure. Um, I always like to, I don't know if I've got the meaning right to what you're saying, but I always like to get into a yes mentality. So, Nazare, I'm not, yeah, I, I've said no to Nazare, but it's not even on my radar. I'm just trying to say yes to waves like Jaws. <laughs> and um, I've, I've certainly like, uh, I've pinpointed the waves where the risk reward is favorable. And um, yeah, so I only, I only do like maybe three or four trips a year. And it's on the perfect storm in that particular spot um, that I've got quite good knowledge on, and that's where I know I can get the get the ride of my life. So well, there's a lot of big wave spots around the world, and I, I, the risk reward for me is not worth it, and I don't go there. Yeah, good work. Um, I want to quickly talk about control, uh, Matt, and then we'll kind of wrap up. So um, one of the things I'm kind of hearing is this: you know, when you, you it's unpredictable, like you said, and you can prepare as best you can, but it's still unpredictable. Anything can happen, and when you know when things happen. I call them moments. There's things that you control because you, you, you screwed up that wave. Like you timed that thing wrong. The other one is you on the wave, everything's going great. And then the wave just closes out on you because, Hey, that's just how it goes. So that wasn't in your control. And then now you get pinned. And Mm -hmm. so you're in this situation where like, well, what can I control here? And what, like you said, I can control not panicking. Um, But really I'm just, I'm you're actually letting go Mm. of Mm. control. That's why you don't panic. And I find like in many cases you panic because you're just trying to control everything. Like I'm guilty mm-hmm. of that as well. And you mm-hmm. have to actually train yourself to let it go because you, if you, if you don't, you, you wind up making stupid decisions, right? At the end of the day, panicking, drowning is one, one of those things. Or just like, you know, ruining your business, like, or, you know, doing mm-hmm. something reckless. So um, mm-hmm. what have you learned about, you know, relinquishing control? 
Yeah, it's it's um, as I mentioned before. I will I will do my utmost preparation to to have control over all of the elements that I can, and then once I've built up that foundation of preparation, I will constantly be telling myself I I need to allow myself to be vulnerable because that's that's it. When you feel out of control, you feel vulnerable. And a lot of people um, steer away from, from situations that allow them to feel vulnerable. Uh, but I, I, I also hate the feelings of being out of control, but I know that I need to go there in, in order to, to grow. Um, and uh, I, I've got this saying, like, when you're feeling that vulnerability, that's when you, you need to paddle out anyway. That's not the time to, to sit on the beach and not go out. And uh, when you're out there and the waves are, uh, I've been out when the waves are, there's 80 foot waves coming in. So what, like um, 20 meter plus waves. And you just feel so small and so out of control. And um, you have to, you have to be in a state where you just relinquish it. Okay. You're feeling scared. But that's okay, and it's it's uh, once you kind of uh, break through all those feelings uh, and and you allowing yourself to be vulnerable, you do in a sense experience a, this the sense of freedom where you 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 you've done all your preparation, but you now you 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 kind of letting uh, the ocean dictate, um, and you just have faith that everything's going to be fine and. Um, and I think you have to do that, like with, with, with things in life, you can't like control everything you know you, you prepare for what you can and then you allow yourself to be vulnerable go through those emotions and, and paddle out anyway because those are when we have our big moments yeah and that's a key point right it's about vulnerability especially because you know in south african culture at least my my experience is like it's it's not like vulnerable if you're vulnerable you're weak you know, so I don't know, you know, you're a bit younger than me, but especially like that, that for me is the, is some, I got that from like society, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know where exactly, but maybe it's just, you know, rugby and boys schools mm-hmm. and things like that. So, mm-hmm. but, um, but now that I've gotten, I've grown older, like vulnerability is really a strength and mm-hmm. but business has actually taught me basically business and like what business and what you're doing is the same. It's the same thing. In a game wise, it's the same thing. Externally, it's different, obviously, but internally, it's the same struggle. That you have to prepare, you have to execute, fear of failing, blah 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 blah, and you mm. keep pushing towards mm. achievements and so on and so forth. And so, what I've learned recently about relinquishing control is not actually it doesn't come naturally to people. Mm. You know, if you're driving a car, like my thing is like imagine you you bought a Tesla, right? And you, you the first time the car is driving itself. Mm-hmm. And it's steering and shit, and you're in the highway. Like that has got to scare the living shit out of you, yeah. <laughs> right? Because I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just want to yeah. put your fucking hands on the steering wheel because if you don't, yeah. you're gonna die. Like that's 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 the message in your brain, uh, in yeah. in a car context. But in life, you might. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's the same principle or belief that you must control things to get to what you want. And it's, and what you're saying is, and it's also something I've learned recently and that's to actually get what you want. You actually need to stop trying to control things, be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is now not a a weakness. It's actually a strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And to lean on people Mm -hmm. when you need them so that they can be your support system while you relinquish control. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So that you can get there in the end, you know? Hundred percent, yeah. Um, that uh, I'm a big fan of um, 
uh, uh, growth mindset thing and Professor Carol Dweck, and she says that if you um, if you want to grow as a human, you have you have to have a mentality to a mentality to welcome challenges. And obviously, when you welcome a challenge, there's going to be vulnerability in that because it's challenging you who you are as a person. And if you don't, uh, if you just want to look smart, which a lot of people are trying to walk around comfortably looking smart, then then you're going to avoid anything that will challenge you and you're going to get left behind. So it's quite a powerful quote, I think. So I tried to remember, welcome the challenge, welcome the challenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Remember that, people. Welcome the challenge. Um, yeah. So just two questions and we'll wrap up, Matt. So um, quickly about purpose. So in my book, I, like for a long time when I was younger, people were like, yeah, like with you, basically, you kind of, you know, you, you discovered your purpose, so to speak. Um, and so when I was younger, people were like, you know, like one day you'll find your passion, you know, this kind of stuff. And so my, my point of view is you don't really find stuff. It's not like purpose is not a set of car keys you find lying around your house. You actually have to go and get it. You have to go and create the thing, which is, which is kind of like what I feel you actually did. You, you were like, you listened to your intuition because you were like, listen, these small wave competition things, there's something missing for me. And when I'm on a big, big wave, now I have purpose, right? And that's what you said right up front in the show. It's like you're now living your purpose every day. So for my question mm. is, do you find it? Do you find purpose or do you create it? <clears throat> I think that um, we all have uh, unique, every human is unique and we've got a set of uh, gifts and talents. Um, so I think that there is a, a unique calling for each individual. Um, and I certainly believe that for my life, but I I believe that, I was going to find that as long as I would keep stepping out, I was going to find that thing, that uh, my purpose. So maybe that's a little different to your thinking. Um, but I think that um, we definitely spend too much time worrying about what other people are doing. And because we have our unique uh, skill sets and gifts that, um, that uh, we need to, to use and, and, and find our passion, I think. So, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's, my thinking. <laughs> That's why I do the show, buddy. That's why I do the show is to get different points of view. Like, I don't know. I just think you must be at cause. Cause I think people use purpose as an excuse. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not passionate about this thing. It's like, well, you don't need to be passionate about something to, to build something of value. Do you know what I mean? I did that with my business that I'm busy selling now. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't wake up one morning and go, Hey, I want to do lead gen for tech companies. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, my passion is totally people and podcasting and entrepreneurs and stuff and helping them grow. Yeah. So it is possible. Um, but if you yeah. sit on the fence too long, like with what you did was you, you were proactively, actively going out there to figure out what that thing was. And many people kind of yeah. lean back and make it an excuse. So, but, um, but listen, let's wrap this up, Maddie. So, um, why do you do what you do? Like, why do you do all of this? Like what gets you up onto a wave at Jaws? Like, <laughs> What's that about, man? What's that about? Um, yeah, I, I mean, as I mentioned before, like I, I really believe that this is, is I've been created to surf big waves at this point in my life. And um, it's, I do feel that deep sense of purpose, even though there's so much fear clouding uh, the path to going there. But um, yeah, it's, I've encountered over and over again, and and it's some I, when I face that fear and I move through it, and that's when I've, I have those feelings where I just feel the mo most alive that I've ever felt, and um, I think those are the moments that I keep chasing, and that's what the movie is is called Over the Edge because it's it's about 
taking myself to the top of a really big wave. You've got a split second to decide whether you're going to push yourself over and you're looking over and you're just seeing that water sucking off the reef and the wind blowing up and it's so scary. Your instinct's telling you not to go. You can either say yes to the wave and maybe have the ride of your life or you can say, no, it's too scary and pull back. And um, I think that like everybody feels fear and everybody has their big waves in life that they have to ride. And um, my hope is that, um, that, that people see that even us big wave surfers, we experience a lot of fear, but that's not the time to, to turn around, but that's the time to, to move through it and step up and, and ride whatever your big wave is to ride. Um, so I think there's a great sense that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And hopefully I can inspire other people to, to face their fear and step out um, and, and do their thing. Yeah. Cool. So basically I must start surfing. That's basically what <laughs> I must go. That's your, maybe listen, maybe Matt, that's your big wave. <laughs> imagine like um, you're at yours, there's me. Hey, Matt, hey, Matt what's up, dude? <laughs> hey, you said I must come surf this He's, big wave. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you said I must face my fear, bro. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> uh, oh, but obviously clever. that's overlaid on all of the, um, the preparation. preparation. Yeah, exactly. No, it's fine, bro. I'll just use a jet ski. Yeah. And then I know your guy there that makes your boards and I borrow one for my mate. <laughs> great. Uh, well, we'll look we'll pick you up uh up on the rocks yeah so. exactly god he oh, won't be catching <laughs> me there but okay good so listen matt thank you for your time man uh definitely you're such an inspirational guy doing amazing things i think your story is great it's so relevant for so many of us so thanks for being on the show thanks so much for having me and just um yeah, the movie is live, so you can yes, pick it up. Yes, yes, my bad. Over um, there, I'm going to do a full <laughs> intro on this so the guys would have already heard about it, but it's Over the Edge. Right. You can catch the trailer up on um, on YouTube. You can get it on iTunes, Apple TV, Google uh, Play, Microsoft. Mm. Didn't even know you could actually sell content <laughs> through these, some of these platforms. Vimeo yeah, is same. another one. Uh, so yeah, it's basically everywhere. It's called over the edge. Go and get it. It's a really, really amazing show. Uh, it's about an hour long. Uh, you'll see Matt doing some really crazy stuff. I don't know how, how he does it anyway, but <laughs> that's why you're thanks, here, but, but thanks for being on the show once again, eh? Cool. Thanks for having me. You. Anytime. Later, bro. Bye. Hey there guys at smerocketfield.com. You can access new markets and your ideal customers within seconds from a globally compliant data engine built specifically to help your business grow faster than ever before. And the best part, it's free. Yes, that's right, it is free. Head on over to smerocketfield.com and sign up for free today so that you can start accelerating your business growth faster than ever before, wherever you are, with smerocketfield.com. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.